have a full understanding of your financial situation now and where it's going to be in the next 12 months because I can tell you the first year of owning a home is unbelievably tough. Welcome to the Property Chat Podcast, where your hosts, Matt Frugia and Lachlan McDonald, talk all things real estate. Hey everyone, welcome back to Property Chat with Lockie and Matt, powered by Real Hub. I'm your host, Lachlan McDonald, along with co-host Matt Ferrugia. And Matt, today we wanted to talk about oh, it's a topic that's you know very often discussed in Australia, and it's first home buyers. Getting into the market, it's something which has appeared very tough for some time. So we wanted to just go through a little bit of advice for people looking to try and get into the market, how they can do that. So I guess to start, what are some of the things you find from a first home buyer perspective are the most difficult? the hardest obstacles to overcome? I think the big thing about being a first-home buyer is the whole process can be overwhelming. And maybe for a lot of first-home buyers, what I see is that they're probably not getting the right advice from the right people. So, you know, they might be just speaking with one particular person. It might be a family member or a friend or someone who's had a past experience doing it. But as we know, the real estate industry changes so quickly that in order to keep up with it and to be a competitive buyer, you need to put yourself in a position where you've got I suppose, trusted advisors on your side. That can be a real estate agent who, you know, you might not necessarily be buying through. It could be someone you know um, in that space. It could be a broker. I think if I had to look back at how I did it, you know, obviously I I bought my first home at at 23, didn't, you know, have the benefit of anyone wanting to go guarantor or anything along those lines, had to save the deposit myself. Um, You know, didn't even get to the full 20% because it's such a massive amount of money. You know, I think we we paid 650 for our house. Um, The deposit on that's huge. takes forever to save. And at 23 you know, like most, wasn't earning massive money. So I think what we did differently that worked really well was obviously working in the industry, you you got a bit of an insight to, you know, the mistakes that other first-time buyers maybe were making and just getting edged out every single time. And some of those things were trying to shop without finance. That was a big thing. We saw that all the time. Um, The second thing was not knowing their market at all, not having done any research, not knowing what the average price would be. Um, to give you some idea, somewhere like Terrigal, which is which is the centre point for you know the Central Coast, everyone wants to be there. It's the number one search suburb. Um, they'd come there with expectation that six to seven hundred would buy them a three bedroom family home on a level block mm. with an ocean view. So it's yeah. about aligning your expectations, knowing exactly what your money buys you in the suburb that you're looking in. If I was a first home buyer again today, some of the things I would be weighing up is. Have a full understanding of your financial situation now and where it's going to be in the next 12 months because I can tell you the first year of owning a home is unbelievably tough. You've just spent your whole deposit. You've probably been a little bit accustomed to being a bit, you know, maybe a bit more comfortable with money and spending Mm. a little bit more here and there because you've worked hard and saved. So analyse what the next 12 months would look like. Budget that. Speak with mum, dad, brothers, sisters, family members, whatever, whoever owns a home. Find out everything there is to know about all of your expenses, you know, land rates, water rates, insurance, the lot. Get, get all of that so that you can itemise it. That would be the first step for me. Um, I think second would be then looking at the market where you think you would like to buy, understanding what that house price is like in that market. Then I would be going back and, and let's say it was affordable and the average house price was around that sort of 600 mark, but 600 for something that you felt comfortable buying, not 600 knowing that there does, you know, there is properties that come up in that market at 600, but it's once every blue moon and you're not mm. going to hang out for that. I would go back then and speak with a broker, which we'll do a topic on because I think that's really important um, why I suggest brokers over banks. Um, but going back to a broker and saying, look, this is my financial situation now. Here's a rundown of my budget and where I forecast things being in 12 months. Can you just give me some insight? You don't have to be buying today to meet with a broker. It costs you nothing. So I would be saying, 
this is what I ideally would like to do, this is where I'd like to buy, this is where the, the average house price is, can you run me through what my financial options might be? Getting yourself in a position where you might not be able to get, like my situation, I wasn't able to get pre-approval at the time. Mm. Um, I just moved into a sales role. They don't lend quite easily to people who are supposed to be earning commission, yep. um, especially in a, in a real estate market, which at the time was was going quite well, but very competitive in terms of getting listings. So um, what we'd ended up doing was we went, okay, great. We know what we can borrow. In order to borrow more, how much would we need? And she said, well, you're going to need an extra 40000 Yeah. So that next 12 months, we just saved and saved and saved, put ourselves in a position that... You know, we were $20,000 short of um, our deposit that we needed, mm-hmm. but we had the option of signing another 12-month lease, which we added up to be 24000 So we made the commitment, paid the lender's mortgage insurance. So yep. I, th- I think from my point of view, they'd be a couple of key items that I'd be considering. Um, from you, what, what would you think? Well, I, I like what you said in terms of being, uh, you know, realistic about suburbs. I think that's yep. really important for first-time buyers. And... The worst mistake you can make as a first-home buyer is to pick a suburb that you really want to live in, as you said, and look for the one property a year that comes up in that suburb at that price because you're going to have every other first-home buyer competing for it with you. And what it ends up happening is it it will sell because of the competition for disproportionately more than what – other properties are so yeah. like let's say for example that you know very rarely does a first home buyer property come up um, in a particular market it sells for 100,000 over what it was expected to sell for it's still in first home buyer territory but then you look at how close it was to a, a better home in that area and yeah. you go ooh maybe that next step we've up. actually really overpaid in order just to be in that area so the best advice i can give is to be smart about what you want and why do you want that area? Do you want that area because of the name? Do you want it because of the postcode? Because you're paying a lot of money for that postcode. Really nut it down what you want in a home. Is it If it's to live in, then it should be an easy decision. If it's for investment, you might want a particular area because of particular facilities. You know that there's a you know, new train station going in. You know that there's a new Westfield going in, something which is going to grow the area. But if you're looking for a home to live in, Chances are there would be any number of suburbs in a radius that would have a, a similar lifestyle. You know, I mean, even something as, as much as going, okay, well, if we were to buy a home two suburbs across, we'll get far more for our money. We'll get, a, as you said, a better quality of home because that's one trap first home buyers can fall into. Unless you're in a trade or you're a little bit handy yourself, it will cost you a fortune in that first couple of years if you buy that worst house in the best suburb. Yeah, great if you're in the trade, and we see that a lot, obviously on the central coast, especially. You know, guys will buy a property, you know, first home buyer, do it up themselves. Awesome, but if you're not and you don't have that option, you're so much better to go a couple of suburbs out or somewhere a little bit further away and buy a property that's in good condition. Oh, if you're as handy as I am, you'll need another mortgage just to pay the tradespeople. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that is probably my best best advice that I can give is be you know realistic about where you're looking, but be smart about it. Actually, actually make a list. Go through and go. What are our non-negotiables? What are our wants? Yeah. And if a home ticks your non-negotiables and it, and it ticks some of your wants, amazing. But if you are feeling like really you're airing to that want side and that this, you really only, this home is really only of interest because of wants, not mm. needs, then you need to really be logical about it and, and try and take the emotion out and go, you know, could we be getting more as a first home buyer in another, another area? Because I think the... Holding cost and the 
the transfer cost is really important for first home buyers. If you buy the wrong home first and then your family grows and you've got to sell that property within two years, chances of you getting your money back is very slim. Mm, you especially know. in the market we're in at the moment. Exactly, yeah. because you've got, your, you know, obviously all of your costs associated with selling it. As a first home buyer, you won't have had the stamp duty, but then you'll have the stamp duty on the next purchase. Yeah. You know, so Commission, marketing, everything else along those lines. Yeah, so and make think, sure it's, it's the right home at the start. Yeah. Do you think it's a conversation that we've had many times off air about buyers maybe if you're a lifestyle person and it's really important to you that you live in you know the the city of where where it is that you're looking mm. that maybe you rent where you want to live and that you buy where you can afford yeah exactly yeah that whole idea of rent vesting is a, a great strategy uh, as a as a first home buyer you can look at um, properties in central west new south wales for example or or in queensland apartments in queensland now when you're renting the property out, you don't get the first home buyer concessions, of course. But it can really outweigh the benefits if you just say, oh, well, if I buy an investment, I don't get the first home buyer benefits, so I'm not going to buy. You're better to have been in the market. You know, you're better to have you know, put your foot in the door. There's so many places where you could get a property for 300000 400000 you know, that will rent for strong, um, strong returns. Yeah. In a lot of these country towns, those properties are – positively geared from the get-go you know even if you only have a small deposit you're still not putting anything in other than maintenance yeah so effectively what you can do is you can rent where you want to live for let's say 10 that that 10 year period over that 10 years you've had someone else saving your deposit for you yeah it's a really good strategy but i think that people get too emotional about property as a first home buyer thinking that it has to be perfect the first time around i'm sure you see that Always, yeah. And, and I think the other side of things is people who end up doing the rent-versus situation or heading in directions like that, investing's a little bit more of a consideration than people realise. You know, you have to work out whether you want something that's positively geared or negatively geared. You know, naturally, it's not always a factor you can control, but mm. in where the market is that you purchase, obviously, that has a massive influence over that. I think that for some properties, we see it all the time, you know, like, say, our market – the rents are nowhere near the yield that you would expect for a really good investment. So they don't make a great investment for a positively geared return, but what they do offer is the potential for you know huge capital growth. So I think we see a lot of people invest in our area based on capital protection you know, and hoping that they get the money down the track where some people we know further up the coast, they're renting out multiple dwellings on a single block and, and getting you know 1100 a week for something that it's not costing them anywhere near that. So it's really positively geared. Mm. So I think there's some of the things to consider, but... I would say as a first-home buyer, probably spot on. Know your market, get some advice around finances, know your costs, um, be realistic around where that is that you want to be and do some homework around what home you need to live in, what, what your future is going to look like. Because as you said, if the family's getting bigger or getting smaller, pick that right property. And then I think the last one for me would be lining yourself up with a solicitor or a conveyancer early, just so that yeah. you've got someone there who's going to be in your corner, giving you some legal advice, maybe getting some insight around what, what that means, what a contract looks like, and even speaking with an agent about the negotiation process because, you know, obviously we'll be covering off on a lot of that and that's what we hope this podcast will do for yeah. you is you're going to have the ability to come in and find out, you know, why you should use a broker, why you should use a conveyance or a solicitor. Um, then again, talking about what a cooling off period is, what an unconditional sale is, all of those sorts of things. So we look forward to getting through that process at some point. Um, but if there is questions on that, obviously you can reach out to us. We'd, we'd be happy to answer those. I think one of the, the final things for me is to get creative too. I mean, you hear some great stories of first home buyers where, for example, um, one guy will go out and buy a property and rent it back to all these mates at uni, you know, like incredibly smart 
you know, things like that. Or if you, uh, you know, uh, uh, are lucky enough to have strong ties with your family, go and buy a place with your brother or your sister. You know, those sorts of ideas and when people try and get creative about how can we get our foot in the door, I think that's, that's the best sort of advice that we can really give is think about is there a way that somehow, I know it's tough, I know it's hard to get that deposit, I know all the sort of odds are stacked against you, but there's always a way to get to where you want to be, but you just might have to be creative about it. You might have to take seven steps to get there. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think for a lot of people, it's as well trying to get the understanding that real estate has changed, prices have gone up in the areas in which everyone wants to live, but there mm. are still affordable options out there in different areas, but maybe just reassessing your situation and, mm. you know, as you said, looking at rent vesting or all those sorts and of I things. And I think it's funny too that um, a lot of first home buyers will say, you know, oh, in our generation, it's, it's impossible. We can't do it. It's just so different. But in terms of stepping up, like I just said, if you look at, if you actually ask your grandparents what they did, chances are most of them bought a very, you know, rundown property for the absolute, you know, most they could afford. They, they lived in it for, and struggled by. They did without a lot. Then they bought another one and then they tried to, did, and then it was a little bit better and then they stepped from that one up to another one. The home that they're living in today is a product of that stepping over time. And I don't think that as a first home buyer, it's realistic to think that you could jump in at the pointy end of the market and, and get, you know, your, the apartment of your dreams in the city of your dreams. You might have Similar to... Similar to the property you've lived in for your whole life. Ex- exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. And um, if you ask, uh, the point, point I'm making is ask people who've done it. Yes, things are different. Yes, prices are different. But I tell you what, wages were different as well. You know, you look at the growth in Australian wages, even over the last 15 years, it like, okay, property has surpassed it significantly, of course. But every, you can look at every, you can look at every factor and say it was different, this was different, that, that was different. Interest rates. 19% at one point. Yeah, there's so many factors yeah. that you can say make it different. But the reality is every market is going to be different and everything is going to, based on the time in which you're in. You just yeah. have to find the ways that you can use the things you can use to your advantage at the moment. And then there are strategies you can use to get in the market if you're clever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think even the other side of it might be for a lot of people who I know, similar to myself, that are renting at the moment, I know a lot of people are paying really big rents and it makes it impossible to save. So mm. maybe it's about reassessing that as well. Do you really need to be living where you're living and paying the rent that you're paying if it's comfortable and it's a lifestyle that you're accustomed to and you like it and that's what you want to do, then go for it. But I think in order to save money, you know, you have to make some sacrifices. We were living underneath someone's house, you know, in a two-bed flat paying 400 a week because it was affordable. Yep. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Yep, 100%. Well, guys, that wraps up this one. Thanks again for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you on the next one.